Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Oh, good morning. So today is a special day. We do this every year as we get a chance to celebrate with parents as they dedicate their children. In fact, uh, today we have 10 families, uh, four in this service, six in the next service, uh, I think that's the plan, um, who are coming before us to dedicate their children. In a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to introduce them, uh, we're going to read a verse that they've selected, and uh, we're going to show you cute pictures on the screen, and then we're going to stand as a church, and we're going to pray together. I always like to frame this moment before we step into it, that this day is largely about parents, about a mom and a dad, and about their commitment. Because let's be honest, the kids don't have a clue what's happening today. But we're hopeful that the influence of what begins today lasts in their life for a lifetime. Because we believe that the role of a mom and a dad is one that cannot be replaced. And so these families are coming together and they're, they're dedicating themselves and their children to the Lord. In fact, we're going to read, uh, they each get a commitment card that looks something like this. And it says, will you endeavor with God's power to bring your children up with the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Will you pray for them, love them, lead them, and show them the way to life through Christ? And will you strive to provide for your children a godly example in your own personal lives, trusting God to enable you in this holy calling? And then there's a place for parents to sign this as a commitment of what they're doing. This is, in many ways, intensely personal, right? It's a mom, a dad, a child, and God. But it's also meant to be communal, community, a church. Right? We don't do this standing in my office and you know, private, we, we do it as a church family. And when we're done, we're going to stand. And Amy, who leads all of our preschool program, is going to lead us in a prayer of dedication. But that's a prayer for a church as we pray together for what God is doing in life. Because we believe that one of the great benefits of a church is that we have a community that we grow together in. So, with that said, let me start with some introductions here. Uh, first, uh, Brianna and Rob are bringing two to us, Sadie and Josiah Martin. Come on. We got, we got the whole clan. This, and, and it turns out this is a really popular verse today. I was reading through this, and I'm like, wow. Everybody loves Proverbs 22, 6. We, each of the parents picks a, a verse, or we sometimes help if they're looking for help. But it says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. 
What a powerful verse. How many parents have I talked to over the years who have clung to that verse later in life that they invested something in their children and they're looking for that to come back in later years. So congratulations, guys. We're so happy for you. Why don't you stand right over here? Hey, Dad. Next up, uh, Wendy and Matthew are bringing Stephen and Elizabeth Jansen. Oh, we got, and we've got a young, this is, so this is about six months old, six months, oh, and you guys, same verse, right? But I'm going to read it again, because this, this verse is worth reading, right? You know, direct your children onto the right path. When they're older, they will not leave it, man. What a, what a promise that we lean into that, wow, we're going to put this in their lives, and later as they become kind of on their own agents, right? I'm feeling this personally because my last one is leaving uh, the home here pretty soon. That what we invest in them comes back. What a beautiful promise. Congratulations, guys. <laughs> Next, uh, we've got Aaron and Shane are bringing uh, Victoria Lokerson. Victoria. I love that. I love that. Same verse. Direct your children. You're sensing a trend here with this verse, aren't you? We're going to change it up, though. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. What a great verse. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. That's a Bible. Yeah, yeah. Here, guys, you can come. All right. We got, we got one last one. We did a quick stage change here because... We have our worship pastor, Alan, and Sarah Porter coming and bringing their youngest, Maisie Kate. Yeah, Maisie. Oh, my goodness. When I saw the, when I saw the picture of this, I was like, I got all nostalgic, like, and I was going to pop out a picture of, of Brittany when we dedicated her in the plumbing building like a lifetime ago, but she's not here today, so I figured I wouldn't do that. I love the verse you guys have fixed. Let me read it. It says, May you always be filled. This is from Philippians 1.11. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and much praise to God. I love that. Congratulations, guys. So, church, would you, would you stand with, uh, with me and with all of, of our families as we offer, um, Amy's going to come and join me, as we offer this prayer of, of dedication, um, our way of, of standing together in in community with families as they commit themselves to the Lord and to being a part of a church community and raising their children through their own testimony and through the word and the example of Jesus Christ. What, what an incredible privilege as we see generations roll through and grow in Christ at Cape Cod Church. Amy, would you lead us? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for these families that are standing up here on stage, Father, and for the opportunity that we have today to celebrate their commitment 
to raise these precious children in a godly home. Send your Holy Spirit daily to lead and guide them as they in turn lead and guide their children through good days and through hard days. And Father, for the challenging days, give these parents courage and strength to love their children well. Multiply these parents' time that they spend with you and provide them with the necessary resources, Father, so that when these children ask the tough questions, and they will, I pray that they will be ready to give them an answer for why they believe what they believe. May each child here grow in stature and wisdom in kindness, love, and compassion. And may each child see in us as parents what it looks like to serve you faithfully with our whole hearts devoted to you. Help us, Cape Cod Church, to surround these families as a village of supporters, praying for them as often as we remember. And we trust and believe that you have an amazing plan already laid out for these precious children. Thank you again for these families, for these parents that have stood up here today and committed themselves to raising their child in a godly home. And most importantly, thank you for these precious children that you have blessed them with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, everybody, let me, let me, let me get you to slide. I want to I get... You, you can stay standing right for one second. We're going to sing one more song. Can we all slide together just a little bit, as, little, as much as you're comfortable? I just want us to get a picture with, can we get a picture? We got a photographer right there. Come on, come on. I know this wasn't part of the script, but I decided while we were praying, I wanted it anyway. Pastor's prerogative. There you go, right there. That's the, hey, Maisie, watcher. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Congratulations again, everybody. Congratulations. Hey. Add to three girls. You know what I told them that is? That's a good start. <laughs> Don't you put that on me. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I can't pray that God sent that boy. And then I said, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> come on, come on. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Sing it out. Twas grace that taught. My heart and grace my fears believed. How precious did that grace appear? The hour I first believed, my chains are gone. 
time no see. So, we have been working our way through the book of Daniel. And Daniel 4 and 5 are sort of uh, twin stories. Um, They're stories of power and powerful people. Daniel chapter 5, you may not be familiar with the Bible or even with the story, but you may be familiar with a saying that comes directly from Daniel chapter 5. The writing is on the wall. Because in Daniel chapter 5, a disembodied hand shows up and it writes on the wall. Many, many tickle you farsin, which means uh, your days have been counted, weighed, and your kingdom will be divided. 
It was a message for a powerful king that his time was up. It's a great story. Chapter 4 is a lesser-known story, but I think in some ways it's even more understanding power to do with power. It won't surprise you, as much of the book of Daniel does, it begins with a dream. Let me read a bit of it to you. The king says, while I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. He said, I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth, and the tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves, and it was loaded with in its shade, and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. We're going to see that this dream is a picture of the king, of a powerful king and how his life was blessing many around the world. And I think this is a good place for us to just pause. It's a helpful reminder that bad, and we all have it. If you're a boss, a supervisor, an entrepreneur, you have power. If you're a parent, or a grandparent. If you're a captain of a team, if you're a member of a team, if you're a friend, if you have a public platform, you have power. The problem is power has gotten a bit of a of a bad rap, and it's not together all There are news stories of powerful people behaving badly. I could have picked up the newspaper this morning and brought four or five examples, I'm sure, because every day it seems like there's something new coming out about powerful people behaving badly. But the truth is, Power isn't bad. In fact, it can be good. We like power. Just, and we discover how much we like power. Have you ever been there? You've been at the house and just start arriving and all your friends are losing power, but you're not. How happy are you? And you're gloating. And then the lights flicker, blink, and go out. That's happened a few times this last year. Remember the most recent time the power went out? And no sooner did it go out and everything got quiet, and then a, a hum started, kind of a, a rumbling from outside the house. And Tammy says, what is that? And I said, that's the neighbor's generator. <laughs> Right? 
all that has to happen for us to realize the value of power is for us to lose it. I love what Andy Crouch, author and uh, Christian leader, has said about this. He says, we only tend to think about power when it disappears or shows up. When it's almost too... Verse 13, he says, Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. And the messenger shouted, Cut down the tree. Lop off its branches. Shake off... Taste the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. The story takes a decidedly dark turn. The tree that was providing cover and resource and shade and shelter for so many is cut down. And then in an odd twist, he, he says, you're gonna be, you're gonna be run from human society and you're, you're gonna live in the countryside eating grass like a cow. It's a weird, impossible twist, but in verse 28, it says this, but all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Let me read you the details. Twelve months later, he for the royal palace in Babylon. And as he looked out across the city, he said, clearly he's forgotten his dream, by the way. Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic Splendor. That's the kind of stuff you only say when nobody's listening. I mean, it's bad. Bad, bad, bad. But he's the king. And who could argue with him? He's the most powerful king in all of the world. And while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You no longer ruler of this kingdom. Jump ahead a verse. The same hour, the judgment was fulfilled. And Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with the dew of heavens. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's 
clause. By my own mighty power. By my own mighty power. So I want to put a fine point to this and make it helpful. The problem with power is not power. The problem with power is when we couple whatever power we have, whatever influence, whatever opportunity, when we couple power together with pride. You see, something toxic happens when when we couple power and influence and platform and opportunity together with pride by my own mighty power. I bet you knew that, though. I bet you knew pride is a problem. It doesn't end well. So why do we fall into this trap so frequently? Here's why. Because you are important. We're like the tree, right? The, the tree that, that birds come to nest in and we find shade in, like in your sphere of influence, in your place, you are important. And because you are important, it's easy to think that you are self-important. Are you tracking with me here? Because you are important. Listen, the pathway out of this danger is not to somehow diminish yourself. It's not to somehow get rid of all power. The path is understanding where it all goes wrong when we couple power together with pride. And people, when you are important, and it turns out you are in your family, in your job, as a supervisor, as a boss, as an entrepreneur, in that platform that God has given you. You are important. And it's very easy because people will tell you over and over and over again, especially the ones that find shade in your tree, they will tell you how important you are and they won't be wrong. And because of that, it's easy to believe that we're self-important. Do you see the difference? Nebuchadnezzar had somehow arrived at this place where he thought he was self-important. So how, how do we handle power without getting electrocuted? I think that's what we're looking for. How do we take the opportunity and the, the influence, the platform, the, the power that's been given to us, and how do, we, how do we use it without abusing it? How do we use it without getting electrocuted? And I, I think that, that's the beauty of this story and of this passage. It, it offers us a, a hint, and we've been talking about first things. It offers us a first Thing that we can do. Let me, let me read to you. I skipped over the verse. I want to go back to it now. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 27. 
says, King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Daniel is speaking. Uh, he, he knows the interpretation. He's, he's about to lay it all out. And, but if you, you follow the story, you discover that Daniel is working for the success. He's, he's protective of the king. And, 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 and so he says this, King Nebuchadnezzar, please, 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 accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Stop sinning and do what is right. Stop sinning and do what is right. You see, the problem with, with being the king is you decide what's right. I mean, this is an odd thing to say. Like, you make the rules. Whatever you do is the rule, it, it turns out, if you're King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and, and Daniel is introducing something here. He's saying, no, 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 actually, actually, there is a power and a rule and a morality that is higher than you. Surrender yourself to it. Stop sinning and do what is right. Surrender yourself, submit yourself to a higher authority. And then he says something else. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. King, find the weakest people in your kingdom and serve them. Submit yourself to this higher authority. Find the weakest people in your kingdom and, and, and serve them. I think I can sum these two things up together in a simple practice. Uh, well, maybe it's not simple. It's, it's straightforward, but it's not easy. It's the first thing. If you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, or if you just want to remember it. Here's the first thing. Cultivate humility, not power. Cultivate, grow, humility, and not power. You see, we, we spend a lot of time cultivating power. We sort of, we lionize it. We, we idolize it. We, if, if I had it, I, I, my life would be, my life would be better. But what if we, what if we reverse that? We, we assume humility will come and we just, we, we expect it to sort of show up. But, but, but I'm offering something that's different and I think it's intentional in scripture that you cultivate humility and let power, let influence, let opportunity, let platform come into your life. If God sends it, he sends it. If he doesn't send it, that's okay for him not to send it. But cultivate humility. But we, we reverse this. We cultivate power. We, we, we desire it. We're passionate for it. We seek it. But maybe what we need to do is maybe we have to cultivate humility and then allow God to send the power that he wants. Maybe we have to reverse this thing because we've become so used to cultivating power. We, we, we lionize, brash, confident, always sure 
leaders. And it, and it, and it, it feels fair to do that. It's better than the alternative of weak, unsure leaders who capitulate to every adversary? Who wants that? Who wants to follow that person? It's almost as if we've decided those are our two options. Brash, self-sure, confident to the point of being cocky, always sure. Or capitulation. I just like that word. I wanted to say it. Right? Is that it? Is that the, is that the choice? Is that where we're going to live our lives? Maybe there's a, another choice for a people who, who decide to cultivate and grow humility in their lives. What would that look like? What does it look like for someone who's been given power but has cultivated humility? Here's what it looks like. It will show up in how you treat two groups of people. People who hurt you and people who can't help you. I feel it every time I feel slighted or offended, disregarded, taken advantage of. People who hurt you. It's not very often somebody comes up and punches me. I mean, it's, I mean it hasn't happened since, I don't know, last week or so. <laughs> no, for real. I haven't been punched since high school. I don't think. Maybe college. Got into one, one scrap in Bible college. Does that happen? It was a roommate, you know? He was later a pastor on our staff. Imagine that. Never told that story before. People who hurt you and then people who can't help you. Isn't that what Daniel was saying? Find the weakest and serve them. That's what it looks like. You know what a beautiful illustration of that is? What we just did up here. Child dedication. Did you notice they, they all had to carry the little ones? Most of them, right? I mean, kid, children, these, especially the, the youngest ones, they are by definition, they, they, they can't help you. You don't go to them at the end of the month and say, hey, could I borrow a few bucks? I mean, not until at least they're in high school, <laughs> right? And they can hurt you, right? So here come these powerful influencers, parents. They're like broad trees in their children's lives. And what are they doing? They didn't come up here because this is magic. I wish I could tell you this was magic, like dedicate your children and everything turns out awesome. <laughs> it doesn't. 
It's not the way it works. It's actually quite the opposite. They're, they're displaying that cultivation of humility that we're talking about. They're, they're, they're taking this one who sits under the leaves of their tree and they're bringing them forward and they're saying, I need help. <laughs> I need help. Oh my goodness. Church, come alongside us. God, <laughs> we don't know what to do. Help us. Cultivating humility. Important, but not self-important. Maybe that's what God is calling us to do. Wherever you are a tree. <laughs> I love that picture. The people that find shade and shelter and nourishment from you. Cultivate humility and let God send his powerful opportunities in your life. There's no greater example of this than what Jesus Christ did for you and me. This verse is so... Let me just read it to you. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. It says, You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. You have his attitude. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a beautiful example he's given to us. Who made of himself nothing. He took on himself the humble form of a human. He offered himself up so that we could have life. So that we could, we could say yes to his gift of life and life to the full. That's what Jesus did. And he says, let this example, let this attitude be your attitude. That's a great place to begin with the power that God has given to you. 
maybe you're here and you've been exploring, looking, trying to figure out where is it that Jesus fits into your life. And maybe you've just been a bit nervous of what he would do with power in your life. Like if I give my life to Jesus Christ, if I surrender myself to him, what's he going to take away from me? You see what this verse is saying? He's the one, the only one who is safe to say yes to whatever he asks of you. Because with all the power of the universe, he comes to you in humility, in sacrifice. Maybe... Maybe that's for you today. Maybe today is your day to say, I believe in you, Jesus. I trust in you. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Our heads are bowed and we've got just a moment of, of, of quiet. It feels like life is so... Fast forward. There's not many chances to just sit quietly and consider what it is that God is saying into your life. How do you treat people who've hurt you? People who can't help you? Is there a part of you that seems to be winning that wants to use your power to crush that? Maybe this is a moment that God is calling you not to get rid of power, but to couple it together with humility to humble ourselves just like Jesus did. And maybe you're here and you've been trying to decide what to do with Jesus. Wrestling with whether to say yes and embrace him as your savior. Perhaps today in Jesus you see you see a humble savior who surrendered himself so that you and I could have life and you want to say yes to that. In a moment I'm going to lead in a prayer but I want to qualify that. I don't think there's magic words that you repeat and it makes something eternally so. I do believe that when you pray a prayer of faith from your heart, trusting in Jesus Christ once and for all, that heaven notices and it records that and it makes it forever so. 
So with that said, I invite you to pray a prayer like this. Dear God, you know me, everything about me. I won't try to hide it. I confess it all. I accept your grace and mercy and forgiveness. Jesus Christ, I say yes. I invite you into my life. I want to follow you and give my life to you fully. In Jesus' name.